Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Regular listeners uh, may recall that it was just a few weeks ago that attorney Kelly Anderson joined me for a discussion on the loan commitment process in buying a home. Kelly provided some, some great information that dispelled a few myths about loan approvals during our conversation. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And today, one of Kelly's colleagues and a frequent contributor here on Chicago's Legal Latte Returns, as I'll have the pleasure of visiting with uh, Christina Regal of Lavelle Law Limited. Uh, Christina and I will be talking about kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, the foreclosure process, and specifically uh, the steps around litigation in foreclosure. And like Kelly, I expect Christina will be providing some information that uh, many of us had previously been unaware of. So let's get to it. First of all, let me say hello and welcome back to Christina Regal. Christina, very nice for you to take the time to join us today. Thanks. Oh, thank you for having me, Jim. Um, So let's, you know, kind of maybe back up here and perhaps we'd be best served by starting with some of the basics in the foreclosure process, maybe a quick recap of, you know, the series of events that take place leading up to a home being placed in foreclosure. Well, um, you know, the first thing that happens when a home is in foreclosure is uh, maybe it's obvious to say, but someone essentially stops paying their mortgage loan. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a homeowner has a monthly mortgage payment that's due, and um, when the first payment's missed, you know, there's a grace period that um, that everyone has. Um, when that is, you know, when that is missed, um, it doesn't put that person in the foreclosure process just by missing a single payment. But when multiple payments are missed, um, <clears throat> the banks start paying attention, trying to see, you know, when it is that the payments were made. Essentially, they all have to be made to be caught up. And if a person misses about three mortgage payments, that's where they're going to end up in that process. Okay. Now, you you mentioned homeowners, and that was my initial question. Just for reference here, as we talk about, is the process the same for commercial property as it is for homes, or are we just talking today specifically about individual residences? What I'd like to focus on today is the residential foreclosure process. You know, a commercial process is is different. It's definitely different. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the place where people keep their – their sofas and their TVs and you know their shoes at the end of the day, not um, not you know a commercial endeavor. Okay. Now, but you I, may- I should clarify though that when I say home, I don't mean just single family homes. We're talking. It's the same process um, for uh, townhomes and condominiums and uh, any other type of residence that you can imagine. There are some differences regarding condominium law or shared. Um, shared properties, but um, if, uh, you know, I'm talking strictly about residential properties, and most of these things carry over to all to all those different types. Okay. Now, you mentioned the fact that you know certain certain payments are missed. The bank takes notice. Uh, ultimately, the home ends up in foreclosure. When that happens, is it the bank or uh, the court or some other entity that alerts the property owner that they have now reached that point? Well. The first step that a bank would take when the home is technically into foreclosure would be to file a um, a complaint for foreclosure. A complaint is um, the lawyer term for a lawsuit. So it would be a foreclosure complaint that was filed against the property owners and any other um, 
any other people who are listed on the, the uh, deed to the property. And uh, from that point, essentially the lawsuit is initiated, and to be served, to be brought into the lawsuit, there would have to be a summons. And that summons would have to be served by the sheriff or served by a special process server. If it's in Cook County, it would first have to be served by the sheriff, except in cases where the bank got permission of the court to use a special process server. Um, so essentially a person would have to bring the documents, the complaint for foreclosure, to the homeowner and serve it upon them. It's kind of like you see on TV where a person says, Jim Mitchell, and you say yes, and they say, you've been served, and they drop the papers on the ground and run away. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's, the, um, that's actually what happens, and um, they essentially have to get the documents within the arm's reach of, uh, of the homeowner, and, and then they've been served. If that can't be accomplished, there are other methods that the court can approve, such as service by publication or service by posting. Um, <clears throat> And those are applicable in, in special circumstances, but typically someone would you wouldn't they look, wouldn't be looking for the foreclosure complaint to arrive in the mail. They would actually be served in person, or someone in their household be served in person with the with the lawsuit. And when that lawsuit arrives in that form, is that the time the homeowner should pick up the phone and find an attorney to help them through the process? Absolutely. You know, I think that that's the right time. And I'll explain to you, you know, the time at which someone needs to take action and the time when that person needs to contact an attorney. But there, those those could be two different times. But the, the first thing that someone should do in, you know, when they find themselves on the receiving end of a summons and a foreclosure complaint is to call a lawyer and, and do a consultation. There are plenty of lawyers out there, including myself, who will do uh, consultations with litigants for free for an hour and really gives the uh, the person who is the defendant in one of these lawsuits the opportunity to have someone look at the documents, see if they make sense, and, and tell tell the defendant what the cost would be to have a lawyer in that process. I, I say that it's the most important time because essentially you never know if there's going to be a defect in the pleadings and you know the bank's going to be trying something they shouldn't. A lot of times in court, uh, we as attorneys find that people can break the rules as long as someone doesn't point out that they're breaking them. <laughs> so um, meeting with an attorney uh, first you know, right off the bat is the right thing to do to one, make sure that, that no one's trying to do anything that they shouldn't, the bank isn't trying to do anything that they shouldn't. And also to find out, you know, what kind of, um, what kind of money will be needed to uh, get some representation so that, you know, in the event there's a retainer, the person has the maximum amount of time to come up with it if they did decide to hire a lawyer. And because the home is at risk here, I assume then that uh, if you're if you're looking for an attorney, if you don't have one, that you really should be getting someone that has some experience in dealing directly with this type of situation to to, to have the greatest advantage. Then, absolutely. You know, I mean, there's a you know, right now there are plenty of foreclosure cases. That means there are plenty of people with good experience in in that arena. We certainly have you know our share of clients who have been through this. Um, you know, this arduous process, and, and I'm always happy to talk with someone or look over a complaint, you know, on a consultation basis. It doesn't even cost anyone anything. But I, I do think that having an attorney paying for that actually does really add value. Mm -hmm. Now, the last couple of questions I had there dealt with, you know, the need to utilize services of an attorney in the foreclosure process. And, and as we talk about that today with uh, Attorney Christina Regal, uh, I guess the question is, you know, what is that? process like now as you move into the next steps and, and you get into the litigation piece of it? What what does a uh, homeowner go through in that process? Well, uh, uh, um, you know, everything varies on a case-by-case -case basis, and so I can't say that this advice is 
you know, actual advice to anyone listening, you know, should compare this this um, information against their own case because there might be some differences that are important, um, you know, and that's a cautionary thing that I say to anyone. But um, but the advice that I often find myself giving people is to that essentially, when there's when someone is served with a lawsuit, they have 30 days in which to file their appearance and their answer. Those are the pleadings that are needed, essentially, to come to court and say, "I'm here. I'm not rolling over. I'm here to fight." And that's it's an answer and an appearance. Um, there's a 30-day deadline, and after that, if the deadline is missed, the um, plaintiff's attorney can file what's called a motion for default. And um, a lot of times that won't come exactly 30 days after the deadline's been missed. You know, there's so many foreclosure cases out there in every county that, you know, attorneys who represent banks don't have the luxury of, you know, calendaring the 31 day, the 31st day and then filing their, going into court to file their motion that day. So, you know, we're looking at 45, 60 days after that deadline. So maybe even three months after the foreclosure complaint has been filed, still no motion for default. But that's the time that I usually recommend that people actually, you know, hire an attorney to file an appearance on, in their case. You know, dragging it out, um, you know, if you can prevent the court from taking any kind of default action against you, dragging it out can actually give you more time to stay in your home without paying. You know, when when people are on um, people are on tight budgets or don't have a lot of money, that you know, an extra month in a, in a residence can make a big difference. Yeah, and, and tell me about that because I want to make it real clear here, based on what I think I'm hearing you say, is that when that. Um, foreclosure notice arrives that starts the clock ticking. That doesn't mean you pack your bags and get out of the house right then, right? That's right, and that's what a lot of people think. That's an important point that I'm glad you brought up. So so the motion for default would kind of get the, you know, kind of starts the door closing. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's a long, it takes a long time in closing on those homeowners. So when a when an attorney files a motion for default, I you know, I always recommend that the uh, the client then or the the defendant go in and file their answer and their appearance then and you know, essentially dispute the foreclosure complaint. And then the parties are at issue essentially. They um have a disagreement that the court or someone will have to settle and um you know, it could be a year, it could be 18 months, it could be two years, and the people can, will still be um, duking it out in court and living in their home essentially without making any, any any mortgage payments. Now, we do recommend that people continue to pay their homeowners association dues, they keep, continue to pay their property taxes because those can create other issues. So we do recommend that someone in a mortgage foreclosure continue to pay those other costs like homeowners insurance and whatnot. Um, but um, in that case, I mean, it can be very typical that someone who's going through the foreclosure process who hires a lawyer can kind of extend out the length of their case and end up staying in their home for a year to 18 months to two years without making that payment before they are evicted. Yeah, and and, um, not to get off on a tangent here, but just briefly, if if that process takes 12 to 18 months, and frequently this may be caused by someone losing a job, unemployment, whatever, they they find resources suddenly they get back on their feet through that process can they then catch up on payments and and stop the process and and end up staying in their home absolutely a lot of banks are really looking not to be in litigation they don't want to win the lawsuit they want to get people back on track and so um an attorney is a good one to negotiate uh you know how to get those payments back on track and banks um you know have been known to modify payments going forward so that someone can be on a reduced payment for a while get caught up on what they owe and and you know renew you know basically get back on track with their loan um that is something that that is among the realm of possibilities but if someone pulls that winning lotto ticket they can essentially pay the costs and and you know the interest and then the missed payments and essentially um 
continue they they could be able to continue their loan and then ultimately if in a situation where they cannot and this process does play out then there's a separate eviction process that does follow right essentially the the bank's attorneys are going to be looking to file a motion for summary judgment which means there's uh, a uh, there would be a resolution to the case without the necessity of a trial. It would happen essentially on the pleadings where the bank would say, okay, well, there's information here sufficient where the court could find that there should be a foreclosure granted without even bothering to have the, you know, the Perry Mason trial where people testify and whatnot. Um, and that's called a judgment of foreclosure. It's only after that judgment of foreclosure is entered and then there's a period where the homeowner is then able to redeem by paying that judgment that, you know, essentially the eviction stayed during that time. And it's a several-month process um, depending on the county. And then the um, the um, court can um, then get the sheriff to um, – the court can get the sheriff to essentially ev- evict the homeowners while they're, um, you know, while they're living there, and then the sheriff essentially takes away all their, um, puts enough possessions of theirs on the street mm-hmm. to kick them out. So. Okay, and and with just a few seconds left here, you, going back to your earlier discussion, you you'd mentioned, you know, when that uh, when the papers arrive, that's the time to get in touch with the attorney. But really, a lot of people may be in a situation where they they sort of see this coming. They know they're having financial problems, whatever it might be it's better not to hide from the process and and sort of say, look, I've got a problem and maybe proactively try and find some resolution before it gets to this point. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't say that, I mean, there's a couple ways to quote-unquote hide from the process. The one that I wouldn't recommend is not hiring an attorney, not going to court, not doing anything. We're going to look at a really accelerated process by that. The banks don't like that, or the banks take the opportunity to essentially kick people out. Um, but, you know, putting up a little bit of a fight, you know, being in court, that can really extend the amount of time that a person is staying in the home essentially, you know, without without making their mortgage payments. Not for free, but certainly without making their mortgage payments. So um, not hiding it, not hiding from that process is certainly good. Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, I don't recommend staying in the house until the last possible moment and the sheriff arrives to take your couch on the street. But um, but certainly in, in that time, I think people, you know, going through some tough financial times can, you know, really use the time that they're able to stay in that home without um, without without leaving. Excellent. Well, once again, many thanks to Christina Riegel for being here. We always appreciate her time. Emil Alcos will be here next week. We're going to talk about mediation process in divorce proceedings, uh, just another topic that we'll cover here. And you can always catch past podcasts at LavelleLaw.com, along with articles by Christina Emile and many of their other colleagues. So a wealth of information there. We thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.